And welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again. And we are here for our final show of 2023. We're closing out the year um, with a very fun and special guest, one Mark Adams, uh, UK commentator, ring announcer extraordinaire, has been in the game for 15 years. Uh, you've seen him at almost every major uh, British promotion over there. You know, you know him from TNT Extreme, Progress, PCW, True Grit, uh, a number of other places. Just an amazing, an amazing talent, an amazing voice, an amazing person. And I'm, I'm, I was happy to have the chance to sit down and talk with him about his career, some of the major moments that we've seen over the last year or so, specifically. Um, you know, moments like him sharing a ring with Kendo Nagasaki, calling Shemone's uh, huge historic world championship win at TNT Extreme, uh, Big Gay Brunch UK, PCW Pride in the Ring from last year. You know, there's been a lot of these events and moments specific to the queer community within the pro wrestling world that Mark has been privy to and been part of as well. And it's just been amazing to see him get those opportunities and to continue to see the growth in terms of the community's presence within the British pro wrestling scene. And Mark is one of the people that can probably speak the most consistently to that based off of his time in the scene, as well as um, his, his longevity in the scene too. So this episode is really special for for me to do to have him on and and chat a bit about that time and, and what he's seen and what he's done um plus a little bit of horror stuff at the end a little bit of horror movie chat which is always always welcome here on the show but um we're gonna get to that in just a second uh before we do though i just want to let everyone know that uh hollis and i come up with something uh a little special to end the year out since we didn't have a dedicated December episode of Required Reading this this time around. We are actually going to be doing a bit of a like hangout Q&A sesh coming up this weekend uh, for all the Patreon backers, but also for the community. So if you want to come through, um, we're going to be doing that Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Um, and we are, if you want to participate in that, you can, I'll, I'll be posting something on the LGBT in the ring Twitter page, as well as the Instagram page. And, um, you can communicate with us through there and we can send you the invite leak to that thing, um, through, through those means. So we can send that through DM. So just let us know if you would like to participate in that. It'll be posted on the Patreon page as well. Um, for for backers, uh, you'll you'll get a message uh, with the the link and, and and that stuff. But if you aren't a member of the Patreon uh, and you want to come through and chat it up with us and hang out for a little bit and just I don't know shoot the shit about whatever um, or get to know Hollis a little bit better I don't know um, whatever you're feeling you just keep an eye on on our socials and uh, just let us know reach out and we can provide that that information to you to participate Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Yeah. I also have a little bit of a surprise planned for that 
for that stream as well. So yeah, it'll be, <laughs> it should be a whole lot of fun, honestly. Um, yeah. But with that, let's uh, jump into my conversation with Mark Adams. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I'm very pleased to have as my guest this week someone who I think for a lot of people over here in the States, as well as a lot of a number of people over in the UK, is uh, one of the main voices of UK pro wrestling right now. You know him from TNT Extreme. You know him from Progress. You know him from PCW. You know him from True Grit. I could go on and on about various promotions that this man has worked with, um, but it's just amazing to have him on the show. Mark Adams, please welcome to LGBT in the Ring. How are you doing today? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to come on after all the stuff that you've done recently for the QWI and the spot focus, the spotlight that you've put on British wrestling and how incredibly queer it's become over the last few years. And um <laughs> Yeah, I'm delighted to be here and um, talk about wrestling and talk about random dumb stuff as well. You know, yeah, that's, that's what we're here for. That's what we exist to do, <laughs> Mark. No, like I'm, I'm excited to have you on, not just because of like you know all, all obviously all of your work within the the pro wrestling space over there in in the UK, but also just because like I think what it represents and what you represent and what and what you and your identity and like building out your own space within the pro wrestling world has brought not just for, you know, like other queer people to enter the pro wrestling space or like find a connection in the pro wrestling space, but just the like queer perspective that you can bring through being a broadcaster um, on various mm. events. Obviously like there uh, from the past year, there are a number of things that we can talk about, you know, from, you know, the big gay brunch to GCW versus TNT to PCW, Pride of the Ring, you know, to even like the True Grit show with <laughs> where you saw Commander Sterling and Kid Bandit like throwing around all kinds of randomness in in a in the like a deathmatch setting. Like, there's, I'm there's so a... sad that I didn't get to call that one. They've got a team <laughs> of four at True Grit, and yeah. um, it just drops with who's available on what date. I did get to call the Commander Sterling four way that she had at the last show, and it was mm. great. It was so much fun. The triple power bomb. Yes. I spoke to Steph after the show and they said, I hope it looked great because it fucking hurts. <laughs> I would imagine it would hurt. Yeah. yeah. Like, not a just... subtle one, uh, Steph. Yeah. Not a subtle one. No, but it's just, it's just very interesting to kind of like get the chance to sit down and talk with you knowing all of this, all the different circumstances for this year alone much less the previous years you know that have that have been going on so like i know it's kind of cliche at this point to kind of start at the beginning but i do want to ask you like a little bit about it like origins you know because when did when did you kind of like find pro wrestling and when did you kind of grow into this idea of well i want to be involved in this okay so I'm going to show my age here, unfortunately. But as a kid growing up, um, it was all very kind of tape swappy when it came to wrestling. The only free access that I personally had to wrestling was on ITV, which is a commercial 
TV station in Britain that everybody gets uh, terrestrially, or they did in the uh, 80s and 90s. And um, they had a show, WCW Worldwide, once a week, an hour. We got to see basically jobber matches and adverts for pay-per-views that we couldn't access. And uh, <laughs> that was fascinating to me but as I got a little bit older I was tape swapping with my brother's best friend and the three of us were into wrestling always talking about wrestling that best friend eventually became Trent Seven and um yeah like in, in my teenage years we were in a scout group together that's how we met and we um just tape swapped my my love of ECW comes from the fact that Trent got an absolute shit ton of um ropey copies of various ECW pay-per-views. Masato Tanaka versus Mike Awesome matches oh, were just my God. absolute joy in my teenage years. They were just remarkable because you didn't see anything like that on WCW Worldwide. And then it was Trent that got me into working in professional wrestling. He set up Fight Club Pro in Wolverhampton, which is where I grew up. I've lived in Manchester since I was an adult, basically. I moved here for university, but I grew up in Wolverhampton and he had a ring announcer for a show called Independence Day who just didn't enjoy it and dropped out. And from that point on, he asked me to announce for Fight Club Pro. And the first maybe... 18 months of my let's let's put some inverted commas there career was um ring announcing in an abandoned scout hut in the middle of piss nowhere wolverhampton and um <laughs> that was all i wanted at the time it was fun and it just kind of expanded from there uh chap in west bromwich approached me and said would you do my show and then from there it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and suddenly 15 years have gone by since the Scout Hut days. Uh, I'm significantly older. I'd, I'd like to think I'm still relatively handsome for my age. And um, yeah, it's it's been a whirlwind. The last couple of years, though, since we came back from the COVID, uh, let's say, break, where we couldn't have wrestling. Yeah, the last couple of years have become so incredibly queer on the British scene, and it warms my old gay heart. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit more about the, about that period too, because like in my conversations with other previous guests, you know, um, that has definitely come up about this like post pandemic break, like you know, post shutdown where the mm. pro wrestling scene in the UK has definitely come back and it's come back with like a lot more people being like feeling able to be open about who they are in, in the pro wrestling world and open in that space and speaking publicly about it, you know, um, to the point that we're, we're having LGBTQ focused and pride focused events happening in, in the country now, you know, mm. multiples of them, not just one, um, like, what do you feel attributes to that? Like, is is it something just like in terms of like the attitude of coming back from something that is so detrimental and so like life threatening, and also let's be real, like threatening to the wrestling space too. You know, if something yeah. like that have like a lot of companies that did not come back from that. I genuinely don't know. For the longest time, I mean, I was always openly 
gay from day one. Everyone in the scout hut knew that I was gay because a lot of them were people that I'd met in the pub. You know, there were 40 fans and I knew 10 of them. And it just didn't occur to me to not be openly gay. And I've been told that that was pretty much, it's certainly in the Midlands scene, a, a, a no-no. I don't fucking care. <laughs> You're not going to hide who I am. I, tr- I tried that. It didn't go well. And um, so for the longest period of time, really, the most visible queer performers, there were me in the Midlands and dotted around the country. There was Priscilla and Brad Slayer. Really, we were the only openly gay performers on the scene. But what we didn't know until we got talking as we met each other over the years people would confide in the three of us about their queerness, but not really put it out there elsewhere, including in locker rooms, not just the fans, but also in locker rooms, they wouldn't be openly queer. It was never something I really thought about until um, I had some particularly unpleasant um, moments in a locker room in West Bromwich. And yeah, uh, it was pretty fucking grim the way I was treated by one particular worker and it just made me more more inclined to fuck you kind of thing and just (laughs) be me because the things he was saying was like do you know what I mean I'm only 45 the things he was saying was stuff that like I shouldn't have heard years prior he was saying stuff like backs to the walls lads Mm. and um at the time i was working in a library and um he made jokes about me being a pedo in the library because i'm gay and it's like holy fucking shit this is only 10 years ago and um ironically this guy it turned out after making pedo jokes about me was one of the people who it was discovered was sending naked pictures of himself to people who were underage when we had speaking out in this country. I'm not going to name his name, but what a bellend. How fucking dare he? No, oh, completely agree. <laughs> Jesus. Like, that's the worst I've ever had, though. And yeah, it was kind of like, you know, lots of fun and that's really the only particularly unpleasant situation I've had in the last 15 years. Everything's been pretty welcoming. Everyone has always been kind of cool with me. And then it really was that break, that pandemic break. I don't even know how or why, but there was, it it had started before that. There was more of a queer presence, but people just seemed to be much more comfortable being openly queer after the pandemic. I think a lot of people got some time to think about who they are and what their situation is. And a lot of people had a lot of things change during the pandemic. I certainly did. And um, yeah, I I think it was just people maybe gained more perspective about their life when they couldn't really have it. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. I think that whole period give a lot of people the chance to slow down 
to be a lot more introspective just because you had nothing else to really do except be mm. with yourself in a lot of instances, you know? Um, and the same way that we've seen how that's affected a lot of like attitudes towards like um, capitalism and other things mm. <laughs> coming mm. out of, coming out of these, these, uh, coming out of this time period, um, I could definitely see the same thing in terms of like getting in touch with people. Like I, I know for me personally, like I kind of officially like for myself, like came out as non-binary during that time, like very early in the pandemic. So like it, like I could definitely see that being something that influences those things. But then to see that flourish once y'all get back to doing shows and to see the number of people who have had those moments with themselves and are like, no, I'm not going to hide this about myself. Anymore. Or I'm or like, I'm going to at least openly acknowledge and talk about this to the extent that I feel comfortable doing, you know, like yeah. that's been really cool to see. And also to see the pro wrestling space respond in the way that it has with events like big gay brunch with events like pride of the ring, you know, and, and a number of other things there. Like what, what was your, like, what were you thinking whenever you were seeing like all these like, companies and not just tnt extreme or pcw with those two shows but we saw like you know i don't think the events have come to to place yet but like people like pride pro and like you know they there's those earlier companies that were popping up saying like, well we want to do something with london mm. pride but just having the idea of doing a pride focus so, so pride pro was something that came up quite early and a lot of us were very very excited about it it didn't come to fruition in the end but what it did was it gave gave us this idea that there's there's enough queer people for a show and not only is there enough queer people there was competition for who was going to get on that show and you know five years prior I couldn't have named you 20 queer performers let alone worked on a show later on that you know that had a rainbow rumble with 20 queers in it and so Pride Pro almost got the ball rolling, despite the fact it didn't end up being what we wanted it to be. And then, yeah, I can't. I, again, it's not someone I'm going to say, but if you've seen the TNT show, I, I said, someone told me that queer wrestling show would never make any money. Mm-hmm. And I kind of agreed with them. I really did. I thought, they're probably right. I'm delighted that they were wrong, though. <laughs> I think a lot of us are, honestly, because like it's pro- because of that fact we're getting more of these, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah, PCW is continuing with Pride of the Ring. Going I forward. mean, I think Pride this- of the Ring was the first ever queer-focused show at a Pride event in the UK ever. Not this year's the one, the first Pride of the Ring, yes. and it meant so much to so many people. And that's the first time I met. Stephanie Sterling, who is now one of my favorite people in all the world. And it was there that I really became close uh, to Priscilla. And now she's my housemate. And that show meant so much to all of us. And again, like I talked about the Pride of the, the Ring show, sorry, the Pride Pro show, the people really wanted to be on that show and were desperate to be on that show. And there was always going to be some people who was disappointed. And that's bonkers. That's bonkers from where I started 15 years ago. That's absolutely bonkers. And so for me, 
as a young man, I went out in Blackpool quite a lot. I um, enjoy cheap-ass holidays in one of the most unique cities in the entire world. Um, it's very difficult to explain to British people who've not been to Blackpool what Blackpool is, let alone anyone else. But um, <laughs> uh, let, let, let's go with rough around the edges, shall we? Let's okay. go with that. Um, shit Las Vegas is also something that people have described it as, and that doesn't give it enough justice. Absolutely wretched, unsalvageably shit Las Vegas, maybe. <laughs> but um, I fucking love Blackpool. I go every year. You're making it very and, advertising, by the way. Oh, for mate, me. it's like it's just great. It's unapologetically bollocks, and I love that about it. You you want to ride on a donkey? You can do that. Don't go in the fucking sea though. Don't go anywhere near the sea. Yeah. No. You, you, you wanna you wanna get ripped off by some geezer who's um got a hoopla that you can't win. Go to Blackpool. You uh, you wanna go to like <laughs> tiny modern two swords that's like about a quarter of the size of the one in London. Blackpool's your place. And, uh, it's just it's just unashamedly crap. Oh, there's um. There's a um, roller coaster called the Grand National that's about 100 years old. The neck rattle of that oh. thing. I don't understand how it's legal. Come <laughs> it. And it just, you're like, that was supposed to be fun. I'm not going to be able to move my neck for a week. Blackpool <laughs> is so unique, so brilliant, and so adorable because of its shitness. But anyway, part of its shitness is... A nightclub called Flamingos and a nightclub called Funny Girls. These are two long-running, very, very famous queer venues in the UK. You, you, you know, you dot some around. You might be, might be able to name a couple in London, a couple in Manchester, a couple in Leeds. These are the two that you'd be able to name from Blackpool because they're iconic. They've been around for years and they're, well, <laughs> they're... um. An experience. They're the kind of place that don't wear slip-ons, you'll lose your shoe. You, you'll get stuck to the floor and you'll lose your shoe. Gotcha. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And but but Funny Girls is an iconic queer venue. And they are famous for having drag shows. <laughs> if you'd have told me when I was 21, chasing guys in flamingos and um, funny girls, that I would be not only performing at Funny Girls but doing a lip sync to open a wrestling show in Funny Girls. I wouldn't have believed you. And um, yeah, Priscilla and I did Love Shack to open the show. So I've um, I've lip synced in, in Funny Girls, which is <laughs> fucking ludicrous and an absolute joy. And this is why I'm still around. I'm never going to make... I'm never going to make my fortune from wrestling. In fact, every time I take a wrestling gig, I can find work that pays me better elsewhere. I do it because I love it. And as a freelancer, I do have to balance how much wrestling I do with how much work that I do that actually fucking pays well. And um, <laughs> But I'm here because I love it. And I love it because I don't have a bucket list. I have a, that would have been on my bucket list had I thought of it, because things drop on my lap that boggle my mind lip syncing in funny girls is absolutely batshit and 25 year old me would never have dreamt that 
getting so drunk I couldn't see and throwing myself at ugly blokes at quarter to ten, at quarter to two, that I would be back in that venue as a performer. I've I've been to venues where I've seen I've seen Alice Cooper at the Ritz in Manchester, and then I performed at the Ritz in Manchester. It, it's bonkers, and yeah, the, getting to back to the queer thing. It's never, it was never something I aspired to because I never dreamt it would happen. Mm. And, you know, I, I got nominated for the QWI Listener Awards and that's madness. It was me and four Americans. I was always going to come last, but that's not the fucking point. <laughs> I got nominated. I got nominated across yeah. the entire world because of what we've managed to achieve over the last two years in Britain. That's batshit. And to, right, I'm so happy that I got nominated, that I got shortlisted. Did I come last? If I've got fourth, I would just be, <laughs> that would be amazing. We'll, we'll talk off air. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no That's it's just like, I don't, I don't like delve into like, like that, that deep. I don't, I, I like to keep, those things oh, like that, under wraps fifth. publicly. That's so, fifth. That is that's fifth. Uh, you I might be ask. surprised. You might be surprised. <laughs> but well, the we'll QWI. Talk, we'll <laughs> okay. Yes. But the QWI thing, the the top two hundred, was the talk of the town last month amongst my friends here in in wrestling. And um, I remember when you got down to the top fifty, Priscilla walked in with a cup of tea, and she was like. I'm either in the top 50 or I'm not in it at all. And there was a day where she was bricking it and I was fucking delighted. It was funny as fuck. I was like, she's in the top 50. But there's just that little bit of a doubt when she, she was like, what if I'm not in it at all? And I was like, you've got to wait a day, girl. Exactly. It was, like, <laughs> It's very much the talk of the town and it's an amazing thing that you do. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you very much. Like I'm I'm amazed at like just the the spread of, of that list and like how that is become such a huge thing for everyone. Not to say that like whenever I came up with the idea that I didn't think that it might be, but it's just one of the things you never really think about like how these things will how far these things will go, right? Mm. It's just more about like I think this would be a cool thing for me to do. You know, it also like fulfills my quotas at work. Thumbs up. Um, <laughs> but but it's really just like a, I don't know. Like it, it it was a, the whole thing was concocted as a passion project, honestly. And like just to see, like to hear from you, and also to get like all the people that have like DM'd me as well in in the wake of that. You know, not just from the states, but also from the UK and from other areas of the world, like. Just to see what that has become and what the in terms of like meaning and significance to be on that list. Um oh, yeah. it's not it's not lost on me, but it's also just bewildering, honestly. Genuinely, every everything that happens in wrestling that I never predicted or never expected just makes me really appreciate what I have. I I ended up by pure circumstance doing 
a show every two months in a scout hut in front of 40 people for a year. And now it's just mad. And the idea that I was up as the potentially the fifth or fourth best or favourite announcer, commentator in the world for queer people is... You're never going to think that that's going to be you. And it's incredibly flattering. And I'm so grateful to everyone that nominated for me. And, you know, I'm sure someone else voted for me as well in that poll. I'm sure it wasn't just me. And <laughs> thank you to all those people that did that too. It, it it blows my mind. And considering I nearly just finished with wrestling during the pandemic, I'm so glad that, people convinced me not to do that. I was pretty disillusioned. I thought I'd done everything I needed to do, everything I could do. Um, and I felt like I was in a position where it was maybe time because I didn't, I don't want to work for the WWE. I don't want to change my life that drastically. I, I like where I am. And I was like, if that isn't your goal, then maybe you should let other people who do have that goal have the opportunities you have. But people would, people got back to me saying, you are the kind of person that makes a locker room better for having you in it, the kind of person that brings people up. And it doesn't matter that that's not your goal. And so, yeah, two, two, two and a half years later, to be considered one of the, Worth, worth shortlisting for that. It, it blows my mind. And I'm so grateful and so humbled by it all because I just really fucking like wrestling. I happen to be, you know, I happen to lick blokes instead of women. Mm. <laughs> I mean, those are the two qualifications, really. <laughs> so... <laughs> No, it, I, I was very happy to to see like that that you got enough like nominations to make that 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 top five to get like to make that final ballot. Like that was especially considering like you know I have been familiar with with you like previous, but also I fully admit I think I've admitted this times on the show. Like I did not have as keen of an eye on the UK scene prior to pandemic. As yeah, I there was no, there was there was less to have your eye on. Yeah, Very I mean, I think so. it was like maybe it's like Rev Pro Progress, maybe TNT, you know, maybe mm. PCW here and there. But like outside of like those four companies, like I wasn't looking at True Grit, I wasn't looking at like Future Shock, I wasn't looking at like you know various other companies. I wasn't looking at Iron Girders up in up in Glasgow, like you mm. know, like you know, like these sort of things. Like, and and I think part of that explosion that we've seen of, you know, queer people, queer identities in the UK scene in the last two years has been one of those things that has kind of forced me to draw my eye over. It has kind of forced me to look more and more, and I couldn't be happier for that because... It's noticed and appreciated. Let's be be real here. The UK is about the size of a state. So you've got 52 of those to look at already. So adding us and focusing on it the way you do it's it's noticed and it's appreciated no like and i honestly like i i find it very gratifying too because like i'm seeing 
people over there that are doing outstanding things and have been doing those things for years. And, and you brought up one of them just a second ago, Priscilla. You know, obviously Priscilla has been in, in the wrestling game for a, a while, put it that way. Um, there aren't many people that have been around longer than me when I get to a locker room these days. Yes. She's got years <laughs> on me. But Priscilla, I feel like, is one of those people that is fairly influential in that scene over there. Um, even if she doesn't always get like the credit publicly for that. Um, but it's very interesting to hear that like you are like through this process, like you become like housemates with with Priscilla and Yeah, yeah, we live together. <laughs> it's it's not the sitcom you think it is. Yeah. We just drink tea and watch terrible, terrible WCW pay-per-views. But oh, there's so that, no goss. There's no tea to share, I'm afraid. Honestly, that sounds like right up my alley as I drink <laughs> my tea right now as we're talking. Well, as long but, as you like cats, you're welcome to come over for a brew if you're ever in the UK. I got two of them hanging out here somewhere. We'll put, we'll, we'll put, on, Hall we'll put on Halloween Havoc and Pasha will sit on you. That's my cat. That'll work for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. We're just going to take a quick break here to let you know uh, ways that you can support the show. And say thank you to some very rad people that help make this show uh, as amazing as it is. Um, first off, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon now. Patreon.com slash LGBT Ring Pod. Multiple tiers there for everyone that feels so moved to support this show. We've got numerous uh, patron benefits over there, uh, including bonus shows that are going to be coming out on monthly, a uh, roundtable of those sort of things. So uh, definitely go over and check us out. Uh, again, patreon.com slash LGBTRingPod. Every single dollar that is... Uh, pledge there to support the show is very very humbling and we thank you we also have a, a merch store over on brainbuster tees go to brainbustertees.com and search lgbt in the ring uh you get t-shirts tank tops all kinds of good stuff and you know always looking at some new things as well but uh, definitely check us out on brainbuster tees there as well you can follow the show on social media as well we're everywhere um, that we have accounts. We're at LGBT RingPod. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, co-host, <laughs> Mastodon, whatever. We're there. Uh, so follow the show there. You can follow me at WonderboyOTM on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. We also want to give a huge thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme, uh, Formula 666, from the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, or you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp. Another great way to support the show uh, is over at independentwrestling.tv. Check out IWTV 
for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. You can use our code LGBT ring pod or visit uh, the URL tinyurl.com slash IWTV LGBT. And uh, whenever you, uh, as long as you use that code to open your account and keep that active, we get a kickback from IWTV. So your subscription to watch all the great wrestling that we talk about on this show uh, goes to support the show as well. Thumbs up there. Of course, if you want to read more of my pro wrestling writing, you can check out outsports.com. And if you are into video games, I also co-host a video game news uh, Twitch stream every Monday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. Um, I co-host that with uh, two dear friends and Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. Um, just run through the, the week's gaming news or we throw on a game and play and just have fun and be dumb. It's it's great. But uh, you can check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Sun like the star. With that said, let's get back to the show. Can you, can you like, know as someone who is like, as close as you are with Priscilla, like, can you speak to, like, the influence that, that she's had? And especially over the last couple of years, you know, winning the PCW championship, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and having that lengthy title run that she had. Like, it feels like starting to get more and more of the recognition that she deserves for what she's done over the better part of the last two decades. We plot on the balcony most days and um we just like to talk to each other about what's going on in in british wrestling and come up with ideas and um most of those ideas tend to be new variations of the slap for her and um the six one slap is my current favorite and (laughs) um and um yeah we so i was in a pretty shitty situation personally at the end of 2022 and I needed, I, I couldn't afford to rent on my own and I needed a housemate and she was coming to the end of her contract and I was like, please live with me. And um, <laughs> she did. And we got on great and we're going to live together for another year. And it's it's been wonderful. And we, we were always close. We always knew each other. We'd always got on. But um She's not busy, and it's nice being able to plot on the balcony. <laughs> I can understand that, sure. and I'm sure, like being, you know, in close proximity there, like just seeing the the amount of like celebration that that she is now receiving more and more over the last couple of years from from the wrestling community. Like, it's, it feels long well overdue. Yeah. Well, when he was wrestling as Ollie Burns, he didn't get the recognition. He didn't get the opportunities, really. Um, and I'll let him talk to you about that at some point. But it was when he changed to Priscilla that people started to notice. And as that character's evolved, people are seeing what they should have seen 20 years ago in, in, in her and it's it's a joy to see. 
how surreal was it for you to be able to call Priscilla? Not I mean, obviously a number of people were on the big gay brunch, but Priscilla specifically, knowing the like the closest that you have, calling her in the Rainbow Rumble at the big gay brunch. <laughs> well, I didn't have to pick anyone up on the way, so I saved some petrol. But um, <laughs> no, seriously, no. And behind the scenes, I I pushed for her to open the rumble because it makes fucking sense to have the drag queen do a lip sync. And um, it was a delight. It was a delight. Unfortunately, the footage on Progress On Demand, they had to cut the the lip sync. She lip synced to Waterloo which won Eurovision and it was Eurovision weekend and mm-hmm. it was the perfect lip sync. Everyone was singing along. I was absolutely delighted. And um, yeah, it was just a joy to work alongside someone who's become one of my very closest friends, regardless of wrestling. And um, yeah, I liked seeing her shine because we've not been on that many shows together, actually. We don't work for that many places the both of us work for there's so many wrestling companies that we're both dotted around we, we can both be out of the house and and he'll be in bristol and i'll be in blackpool or whatever it's it, we just by pure chance have never really been on a lot of companies together that's changed we now both work for true grit and that's you know that's another easy uh another easy car journey but um yeah it's it's really just not just Priscilla, but because of the fact that he's my housemate and we are close. Whenever I see a queer person get what they deserve or get an opportunity that they really, really want, it warms my heart, you know, but particularly Priscilla. And that was great. Well, let's let's talk a bit more about the big brunch because I feel like there's a lot that we could that we could talk about just from that event alone from what we saw you know not mm. like especially considering like you know you know i've seen the 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 progress on demand cut of, of the event so i unfortunately yeah. did miss the lip sync uh which is a shame and i need i hope that that footage surfaces somewhere at some point because i feel like that would be a, a wonderful thing to see but one of the things the moments that did really stick out to me was that like that very first like opening moment with you coming to the ring Right. The, with with the microphone being turned over to you as ring yeah. announcer. Um, and just seeing the emotion on your face that you were feeling in that moment. Um Yeah. <laughs> there was no acting there. <laughs> I, I, I had a feeling. <laughs> Talk um, to me about, about that about that moment and, and like what you were feeling and, and the significance of, of being in that in that space. So did you see the footage on Twitter before the progress of, of that particular moment? Because again, they had to use generic music. Um, I believe I did, but I, I, I'm, my memory is like, like well, has not, not pulling it up for me. You know, as, a, as an announcer, you don't tend to get to choose what music you go out to. Um, you don't have your own theme. Of course you don't. You have the show's theme, but I was, explicitly allowed to pick the song that I would like. And I picked one of my favorite tracks, which is um, One Night in Tokyo by Beast in Black. Mm. And that meant a lot to me from the very, very beginning before I'd even um, left the, the the curtain. And I don't know if you remember the the bit where I put my specs on, and, you know, this is my go to work face. 
That was something I planned with Priscilla on the balcony. That that that's how we plot. That was that was plotted <laughs> deliberately, and um, that was to a specific beat of the track as well. And um, that was planned. The subsequent smile, absolutely not. That was real because it was just incredible to see a lot of people, all of them with a rainbow flag. Um, and knowing that they were there for just a show full of the gays, it was, yeah, it was pretty special. And and, and again, I didn't know that um, the other three were going to make a massive fuss. Um, I'm, I'm, you, when you work as a non-wrestling talent, you tend to get quite close to the other non-wrestling talent. So Simon and DJ and Mike are close friends as well. And the way they were behaving, I wasn't ready for that. And um, yeah, it was it was a pretty emotional event as a whole for me because I don't ring an ounce at TNT. I commentate, so I you know you hear my voice, but you never really see my face. But it was a statement of intent putting the queer guy center stage as the ring announcer, and that was deliberate by TNT. And yeah, it 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 just mattered so much, and I didn't know what I was going to say. It's why I kind of stuttered about uh, the, the queer show not working and stuff like that. But I think it matters that that was said from the heart rather than something I'd actually prepared. That Again, that was a conscious choice by me to go out, see how I felt and see what I wanted to say. And um, yeah, I, I met Kendo Nagasaki as well, didn't I? That was pretty special. <laughs> you did, you did. I was, was, I was going to ask you about that because... That moment, while it, we didn't really get a lot of it on like the on-demand version, like it, it was just you know it was very much just Kendo, you, you introducing Kendo, him coming out, and then it kind of like cuts and moves on to the show. Mm. So you know, with you like being there in the ring with, with Kendo, I was curious to ask you like, what did we that watched it at home miss from from that interaction? And from what I understand from you, like. I mean, Kendo Nagasaki like struck up a bit of a friendship since then. Yeah, which is like blows my mind. Let, let's put this into perspective. I thought about how I'd try and explain to an American audience what it is like as a wrestling fan to meet Kendo Nagasaki. It's we're talking, it's, so it's pre Hulk Hogan era. It's seventies, early seventies that Kendo was in his heyday. And the man's 82 years old. And it is like being friends with Bruno Sammartino, is how I would phrase it to help an American understand. Um, at that event, I met Kendo. He didn't take the mask off, didn't know what he looked like. Backstage, he had the mask on. He had his own private dressing room. And um, we talked about what he wanted me to say. And I was like, you don't need to tell me about your career, your Kendo fucking Nagasaki. And um, <laughs> he just liked that. He liked that we knew that. And um, bringing out a living legend. We don't have giant haystacks anymore. We don't have Shirley Crabtree, Big Daddy anymore. We have Johnny Saint, but he works for the WWE. That four, those four, including Kendo, are the most famous British wrestlers of all time, at least in Britain. You could argue with the Bulldog and William Regal, but 
certainly for that era and probably amongst Britain, if someone said, if you said to someone in Britain, name a wrestler, they would say Haystacks, Daddy or Kendo. And that level of legend for British people. And my dad's got no bloody clue about wrestling. I sent him that clip and he's like, I've heard of Kendo Nagasaki. <laughs> that level of fame. He is infamous in in Britain, not just British wrestling, in Britain. And yeah, again, the emotion there, that was all fucking real. The complete disbelief that I got to be an announcer for Kendo Nagasaki. Like, madness. And then, yeah, I saw him at Pride of the Ring 2. I asked him to do an event, uh, you know, a talking event at a pub in Manchester, which he agreed to do because I'd, you know, been respectful and he'd enjoyed talking to me and he was impressed I knew who he was, etc. And we did that. And then after that, he invited um, Priscilla and me for dinner. He thought we were together. We're not. Yeah, um, so we went to Kendo's house and yeah. um, we had we had tea and we stayed over. And um, in the morning, we walked his alpacas. Hmm. I've walked Kendo Nagasaki's alpacas. I fucking batshits that. Yeah, that's a that's a very exclusive club, I would imagine. <laughs> you're not wrong but i'm the kind of weirdo that asks kendo nagasaki if i can walk his alpacas you know um... hey, well you gotta shoot your shot you never know when you're gonna get a chance to do that again right no right <laughs> i'm curious to ask you like you know through this relationship with kendo and and you know obviously like he, he came out much later in life much yeah, like late, came a out... lot he came out in his book, which was only yeah. released about five years ago. It was a book that he wrote for charity for the Lee Rigby Foundation. And um, it was maybe sort of kind of suspected because of his association with Gorgeous George, who was openly gay as a as a character. Um, but no one knew for sure. And yeah, he um, was explicit about it in his book, came out as bisexual, and then started being more interested in coming to uh our queer events because of that that's what i was going to ask you like because like obviously like after coming out like that put a whole new like layer on top of his legacy you know and mm. added a, opened up and then like you know, obviously like you say like audiences across the uk know kendo nagasaki but like now for like queer audiences that's an even more of a reason to like relate to him and and have that relationship does it go the other way with kendo like with him like coming to these shows like what does he think whenever he sees or uh, have you had discussions with him about like what he sees whenever he comes to these shows and sees like how wide and more like open lgbtq identities are on the pro wrestling scene i think he's he's happy to see it because obviously he hid it for so long, but the Kendo character he created was not a queer character at all. He's, yeah, he's he he owns a uh, a queer hotel in Blackpool as well, so he's also part of you know a queer scene. But it was never really his scene for wrestling, I guess. And yeah, he just likes. Being around wrestling, there is very limited 
things he can do. He's in remarkable shape for 82. He has a gym in his home and uses it. He could kick my ass, your ass, Priscilla's ass, and all the <laughs> listeners' ass without, you know, without yeah. breaking a sweat. But I don't think he wants to wrestle again. I think I, he just yeah. likes being around. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I think that's that's enough for the audiences now, just because, like, it gives it gives a whole new reason to celebrate him. And I think that's why hmm. I've been been so happy to see him show up at Big Game, show up at Pride of the Ring, you know, be celebrated by this community that really, because of the pandemic, didn't really have much of a chance to celebrate him in person previous mm. to this. You know, because like if the, he comes out in 2018 in the book, and then like just over a year later, everything yeah. shut down. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So like I'm I'm really happy to see that he's getting that opportunity, and especially in in the spaces that, that this is happening. And the not book just, is remarkable, by the way. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I it's it's on my list of of books to to grab and and read for myself. Like I'm trying to convince him to record an audiobook version of it because he's a charming orator as well, but um he, he's not biting. <laughs> you, you can't convince Kendo to do anything he don't want to fucking do. He's very stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> he's just badass. I mean, who's yes. going to argue with Kendo Nagasaki? I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> But I, it's really awesome to see that we're having these events now that are focused on our community, but seeing how that is like leading over into the scene as a whole too. And I and yeah. I think that no moment really captivated that or captured that as much as the main event for GCW versus TNT this year. I knew you were gonna bring that up. Of course, of course I was. I mean, there's a reason why I think on, on our QWI awards show, like I talked about your call on that match because that, that wasn't it, a call. That was an old queen getting upset. Oh, an old queen getting upset can also be a call. Come on now. They're one and they can be one in the same. One influences the um, other, but still. That was a real moment for me, I think, that just the way everything had developed to the point where Shay was to win the belt and the way it happened. And yeah, I I didn't plan to get that emotional, but it happened and I kind of didn't do anything about it. Yeah, the emotions were real. That, 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 yeah. There we go. The emotions were real. Yeah. And I trust me, like, I, I think that was communicated for sure, especially like seeing how you were at, at the big game there. I'm glad and... there was no fucking camera on me. No, no one wants to see me ugly cry. <laughs> eh, I don't know. I feel like that would, would have just added to the emotion of the moment. But I understand. I understand why you say that. No one, no one wants to be seen ugly crying. No. <laughs> no, no. But I think like having, you know, someone from the community on the on the mic for that, match, on the call for that match, like is just added to the moment of what we were seeing because like this is pro wrestling history, not just for the UK but for like the entire world with with Shea mm. winning that belt, and especially like seeing how Shea has built himself up in TNT over the last year 
Yeah. You know, with with Visage and like wanting to like having his like queer challenge match where he brings in like you know queer wrestlers to like wrestle him and that sort of thing. Yeah. Like it's just that journey and culminating in, the, in that victory over Charles Crowley. Like I think that the emotion that you were showing was what a lot of people I know myself was feeling. Uh, when it, watching it that felt match. like it wasn't just about Shay and it certainly wasn't about me, but it felt like that was a turning point, a statement, a landmark, a a milestone. And I think that's where all my raw emotion came from going right back to what i was saying at the start of this episode that these are things i never ever imagined i would see you know never imagined i would see middle-aged old queen you don't see the future when you're in your 20s you just see what's in front of you and like in my 20s i never thought i'd be able to get married and th- these things that have changed so rapidly in my lifetime, we can go on about how there are some horrible things going on for queer people, and there are, but changes that are so vivid. And I think those positive things are where that emotion came from, I think. I can understand that, especially like, you know, Obviously, there are still things to to fight for and fight against, you know, in terms of like political and cultural, you know, influences and stuff like that. They're trying to like bring back some of those like, you know, ideas of homophobia and, and transphobia and stuff like that. But the fuel for those fights comes from recognizing how far we've come and and recognizing yeah, the victories exactly. that we've had and what we and, can achieve. Exactly. These are the things that I didn't imagine would happen in my lifetime. And the reality is it's mainly through my friendships with people in wrestling that I have become not only comfortable with, but very uh, positive about the term queer. That was what I got called at school. That was the homophobic word used against me at school. I never thought that that word would be one that I would want to hear to describe me, let alone use to describe myself. But the the way I see it is gay man tells you who I fuck. Queer tells you what my community is. And that's really, really important to me because my trans non-binary siblings, they are, they're going through the kind of shite I went through in the 90s. And I don't want that to happen to anybody. And it's not okay. So... I never describe, almost never describe myself as gay anymore. It's queer. And um, there's an important statement behind my reasoning for that. No, I, I, it's very, it feels like almost like, obviously, like there's a lot of discussion about like, you know, the reclamation of the term queer by, by the community. Yeah. And that sort of thing. It feels like it's even more of a, of a personal way because of that connection yeah. to the way that you were. It was used towards you whenever you were younger. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up in the middle of England in the 80s and 90s, it was queer this, queer that, fucking queer, dirty queer, 
that guy's a queer. It was it was everywhere, and it was explicitly used to describe um, as a derogatory term for gay men. That is not what the word is now. That word has evolved into something so positive and an absolute fuck you to the kind of people that said that word to me as a child that I'm just delighted. But who would have predicted that? I would have never predicted that 20 years ago. Yeah. It's funny how things just change. It's funny how things like don't really go the way that you might be thinking they would go. Life is fucking wild. It I'm is. So glad it is. <laughs> Same. I'm here for all of the surprises that come with it. And I'm glad that that we have a similar attitude towards that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no. Well, Mark, as we sort of like start to wind down here a little bit, like we've talked a lot about wrestling, but I want to talk to you about something different. Something another another love that we have that we share because okay. in addition to your work in wrestling, you also are a podcaster and you yeah. have a couple of podcasts that are, I, I honestly like they're interesting to me, but one of them I think speaks more to my fandom than the other. Not to say that I didn't watch some red dwarf, whenever it came on PBS over here in the States late at night, you know, mm. on the weekends every once in a while. Um, but Obviously, that that podcast shipwrecked and comatose that that you that you do is yeah interesting, but Chucky Vision, Chucky Vision, <laughs> the podcast that that you that you host um, with your co-host whose name is escaping me at the moment, and I apologize, Dev, Dev Elson, Dev, um, talking about horror and the, its relationship with queerness, you are like right in my wheelhouse. With those kind well, of discussions um well we we accidentally found a niche it was two queer weirdos who liked horror and the chucky tv show was launched and we were like should we do this should we do like a episodic kind of post-show podcast and there were a few people that started doing it at the same time as us you know tv series started but um we're the only one that's really kept going and got the traction and we we released some stuff about Chucky related things in between TV series as well. And it's just great fun. I love horror and I love Chucky for its ridiculous queerness. And I mean, Seed of Chucky was so way ahead of its time with its non-binary representation. We didn't even have the word non-binary to describe the character when that film was released. That's how fucking ahead of its time it was. No wonder the straights hated it and it flopped. <laughs> yes. No, thank you, Don Mancini. For honestly. <laughs> but um honestly, like I bring the I bring up the podcast and bring up this love of of horror and queerness that we have together because um i feel one of my favorite questions to ask other horror fans that have like this this deep deep love for it right to the point okay. that you're doing a podcast episode about the movie dolls for god's sake oh um, dolls is a great film you should watch it it's oh it's yes ridiculous yes anyone who hasn't seen dolls should watch dolls um but my my favorite question to ask about someone to ask someone that has that sort of like deep love for it is like what is your like go-to like comfort 
I mean, Child's Play is the obvious answer because it's a remarkable masterpiece of horror, like as slashers go. But I I do have a massive soft spot for Dream Warriors, the third Nightmare on Elm Street film, because who doesn't want a disabled Dungeons and Dragons wizard fighting Freddy Krueger? Who doesn't want that? I, but it's, it's just so batshit. And that's the one where that's the one with the puppet scene where he uses someone's veins yes. for, for puppet strings. And that's the one where he gets a girl's head and smashes it into his stomach, which is a telly. It's mm. bonkers and brilliant and ridiculous. <laughs> and that's what I want for my horror. Have you watched the evil Winnie the Pooh one? That I terrible... haven't watched that one yet. No. Oh, it's cack. It's absolute cack, but I loved every minute of it. Okay. It, it 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 has had nothing but hate, and I can see why. But it's so fun. I don't care. <laughs> hey, as long Shit, as they're having the fun poo. with it, that's all that matters. To oh, me. dumb, 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 dumb. <laughs> Terrifier is great if you haven't seen that as well. Oh, I've I've definitely seen the Terrifier films. Yes, mm. they're they're interesting for sure. I they they're great in a way, but like they're also just like so out there in, in a lot yeah. of ways like it's just I don't know I, I love them but it's one of those that like I I made the mistake of watching that with a friend who was not necessarily a horror person in the room with me specifically Terrifier 2 um, right okay good <laughs> and, uh, and about an hour into it I just noticed them like I could like physically see them like disassociate from the, from the space <laughs> and I was like uh, I could turn this off if you want. Like, yeah, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I get it. So, so horror like Terrifier, I love, but I'm just a massive sucker for cheesy ass stuff. It was Same. a fiver on Amazon, so I um I just treated myself to the entire Critters series, oh. which I've never seen. And, yes. and and I'm somewhat I don't know if it's true, but someone told me there's a scene where a critter comes up the toilet and bites someone's knob off. I believe. I believe there is. Good. I believe Can't there wait. is. Yes. Can't wait. How fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but but um, if you want, um, here you go, a little bit of an exclusive. I've just yeah. started recording some special episodes of Jockey Vision with Priscilla. Ooh, because okay. we live together and he has never seen any of the Child's Play films. Ooh. So what I'm doing is I'm recording episodes where he predicts what's going to happen in the next film. He has no idea what's coming, which is great <laughs> because those films are utterly batshit and completely unpredictable. His wild, chaotic predictions are just the deliciously bad. And they're going to be some really fun episodes. But the idea is, you know, uh, someone who's seen Child's Play infinite amounts of times and a complete Chucky noob watch the films together and have a chat afterwards. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get all of those recorded. And we're going to record, we're going to release them when we're done. I'm hoping March or April, maybe. And um, they should be a fun run with um, with me alongside her. And um, we've, we've threatened about doing a QWO podcast for the longest time. And oh, yeah. um, we haven't done it. We, we, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we, we could do it, but we just haven't. We, we mm-hmm. could, but we sometimes watch... WCW pay-per-views instead when we could be doing something else. 
hey, there there are worse ways to spend time than watching some old crappy WCW paper. What's that one where the main event is monster trucks? What the actual fuck? Oh, Halloween Havoc 95, right? Is it? I, 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 I believe it's it, just monster trucks. Yeah, like, and, they and, did and the monster, monster trucks, trucks and murder sumo fight. <laughs> monster trucks and murder. Yeah, he chucks him off a building. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need. I you're making me want to go watch Halloween Havoc 95. Like as soon as we get off of this call right now. Good. <laughs> Good. Yes, Mark. This has so, been right. so much fun. Sorry, sorry, I didn't I'm mean glad. to cut you off there. I was going to ask you what your favorite wrestling match of all time is because I want to tell you what mine is when I was being oh, polite. That is such a tough, tough choice. Okay, I don't know if I can say favorite because like that is like I don't. I'll pull back the curtain. Like I, we're recording this. Like the sun just came up behind me, so my brain isn't like fully clicking. So I'm not like. Oh yeah, the time difference is fucking wild. Yeah, I'm about is. to go to work, and you're about to go to bed. <laughs> but um, so like answering like favorite is really hard for me. I can tell you the match that got me, like snapped into pro wrestling though, was like a fan, like the one that that pulled me in, and it honestly okay, was my favorite me. for a long time. Um, Goldust Razor Ramon Royal Rumble '96. Hell of a match. Yeah. Gold Dust was literally like the first like pro wrestling character I ever saw on TV. So That's like so I, cool. Yeah. So like I started from the queer top of what we had at the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when when I met Gold Dust at PCW like 10 years ago, now it was way before he had his final run with WWE and now he's been incredible in the AEW. He I don't think he gets how important he was to queer people because I was like, oh, you meant so much to me as a kid. And he was like, thanks, brother. Uh, just dead, like, not rude or mean, just deadpan. Clearly didn't fucking get it. Mm-hmm. Either that or I was I was so straight mask that he didn't clock that I was gay. That's not what happened, is it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't so had a chance much. to meet Dustin, so I look. I look at me being. I all can't. Of I can't gauge his ability to clock. At the <laughs> but um, je- no, no lies. I can tell you, there are so many great wrestling matches out there. Anything that involves Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, and a ladder, of course, I love that. And, but for the simple reason, no shit day cannot be brightened up by this match. It, it, I've watched it more than anything. Like, I've, like so many times. It's the hardcore evening gown match between the uh, between the Stooges, yes. Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe. Honestly, honestly, I can't not watch that match and howl with laughter the pure joy that that match has brought me over the years it's not for the queer representation it's because it's so dumb it just (laughs) makes me so happy so happy and neither of them win the match crash holly gets the win what the Mm -hmm. fuck (laughs) sorry spoilers 25 year old spoilers and um it's just 
seeing Pat Patterson have the time of his life and Gerald Briscoe being gently uncomfortable with it all <laughs> is gold. Pure fucking gold. <laughs> no shit day cannot be brightened up by a cup of tea and the hardcore evening gown match. I I definitely would agree with you on that. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, God. Well, Mark, this has been a whole lot of fun. It's been a blast. Well, thank you for having me. I've had a lovely time, too. Likewise. I, I'm I'm glad that, that we were able to make it work, and we'll definitely have to have you on again at some point down the line. Maybe we could talk a little bit more about horror or something here or there, because like those discussions are always interesting. Sure. But um, but yeah, but let everybody know where they can find you online and anything you might have coming up here as we approach the new year. So I'm not quite done for the year. I've got one show left and I am one of probably five people that you can know about on unboxing for progress on the 30th of December. Um, I have no clue. They've announced one match, and that's the only match they're going to announce. It's going to be bonkers. It's going to be ridiculous. And at this point, you know, literally anyone who's ever wrestled could come out of that curtain. Can't wait. Beautifully bonkers batshittery to end the year. And if you're looking for me, I'm at Mark Adams HC on Twitter and Instagram. Full disclosure, don't like Instagram. And I only post about my actual real-life job on that. HC stands for Humanist Celebrants. That's what I do. And the podcast we talked about, Shipwrecked and Comatose, is on at Red Dwarf Pod on Twitter. And Chucky Vision, which, if you didn't know, is a pun on a kids' TV show from the UK. Ridiculous kids' TV show. And uh, look up Chuckle Vision. Awful, wonderful, ridiculous, and so very, very British. That's at Chucky Vision on Twitter as well. I will definitely have to look up Chuckle Vision now. That the the way you described it just just made it. I I love those kind of things. So let I will, me know I what you think because it it's crap. I will report back with how British Good. I think it is. Oh. So British. <laughs> I mean, I realize I'm quite British. I've said some. Cho- I realized that I was talking. I've said some very choice British words like telly and bollocks <laughs> and other such words as as we've been talking. I only really think about it when I'm talking to an American. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some very, very American things that I have said. So we'll just we'll just trade them off here and there. <laughs> Thank you again, Mark. Thank you. My thanks once again to Mark for, for coming on the show, taking the time out of his day to chat a bit about his career so far. I will say I have since watched a couple of episodes of Chuckle Vision, and I can confirm Mark's critique. It is very, very British. <laughs> oh, but what a fun way to close out the year here on LGBT in the Ring as we head into 2024 and into our Journal January month, um, as well as our Russell Kingdom annual uh, chat. It's just been uh, 2023 has just been a blast, honestly. And you know, it's been it's been tough, obviously, with taking the show independent. And, you know, kind of ending our relationship with Vox Media and that sort of thing. But I cannot express enough gratitude, honestly, to all of you who have continued to follow and support and listen to the show um, since that time, since February. And uh, it's just it's just wonderful 
and thank you. Just simply thank you. Um, of course, before we get out of here, um, we do have to talk a bit about Patreon. Patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod is where you can go to support the show uh, financially if you feel so moved. Um, of course, we have a couple of different tiers over there. $3 tier is the roster of lovelies. That's will get you a shout out on every episode of this show. And you can join the likes of Alex E., Val Capone, Jerry Legend, and our newest member of the roster of lovelies, Zach Walker. Um, so yes, if you want to be counted among the roster here on every episode of LGBT in the ring, you can go over and subscribe at the $3 tier at the $5 tier. You get the bonus love, which is all of our bonus Patreon exclusive shows like required reading, um, and oops, all fun ones, which I'm still planning to get a, 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 a new one of those recorded uh, as well. Of course, a new required reading comes out every month. Um, I've been talking with Hollis about what we're going to do for January and, and we have some ideas and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. <laughs> like it always is. I, I love doing that show with Hollis, but, um, you can subscribe to either of those tiers over at, uh, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. I completely understand if like supporting financially is not feasible for anyone and there's no pressure to do that. Just, I love the fact that y'all keep spreading the word about the show and you can always rate and review on your podcast service of choice and all that good stuff there. Multiple different ways to continue to show support for the show. And trust me, all of it is very, very, very welcomed and uh, very humbling <laughs> over here. So I guess that's going to do it for 2023 here on the show. Come back next week. We're going to be kicking off Journal January um, with some very, very fun guests that I have lined up for the month. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a whole lot of fun. We're going to kick it off right. Uh, but until then, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. And happy 2024. Everybody's ready to Bye. Coming from the top of the bridge She made a deal with the demon So her lover commit For the moon